0: ETL Echo and friends present the Winter Wonderfix Collaboration, a series of festive one-shots and podfix. Lilac Haze by Nefizzle Lilac. She was wearing lilac, elegant lilac robes that perfectly cinched her waist, and soft chestnut curls that cascaded past her shoulders. Draco finished his mold cider and inwardly cursed at its lack of alcohol. Would it be so terrible to let the professors indulge in a single drink or two? The Yule Ball, a now annual tradition, was intended to be an end-of-term celebration in which students and faculty foregoed house rivalries to revel in an evening of music and dancing. The real celebration, however, wouldn't begin until tomorrow morning, when the students boarded the Hogwarts Express and the professors could enjoy their first breath of stress-free air since September 1st. Draco had been looking forward to it for weeks, four days in the Cairngorms, surrounded by snow and good company, company that, until he started this job, Draco never would have considered voluntarily sharing a cabin with, including her. Across the great hall, he once again caught sight of the lilac robes, shimmering fabric that flowed around her ankles and summoned his attention like an enchanting beacon, frolicking croopers. Did someone curse his eyesight so it wouldn't stray off her? He was not staring. He was not staring. Curse at all, he was staring. How could he not? She looked exquisite, just like she had at the Yule Ball fifteen years prior periwinkle instead of lilac, a twist instead of draping curls, a fourth year on the arm of an international Quidditch star instead of the deputy headmistress in charge of making sure the night ran smoothly. So much had changed since then, and yet here they were, in the same castle where the same witch had rendered him speechless for not just the second time. Not that it mattered, they were co-workers, friends, and that was the full extent of where their relationship could go. The lilac robes shifted away from where students were still arriving and navigated towards the back of the Great Hall. He expected her to stop when she reached her former Gryffindor classmates and their partners, but she kept moving until she settled next to Draco. I don't know how McGonagall has managed this for so long, Granger said with a tired sigh. Is it too late to ask the Hogwarts Express to get the students tonight? Draco chuckled despite inwardly cursing his heart's inability not to pick up speed any time she was near. Perhaps, but I'm not against calling a fleet of night buses, or, if I must, personally side-along apparating each student to their homes. It shouldn't have warmed his soul like an incendio to the chest to hear Granger laugh at his suggestion. You know, Malfoy, that's not the worst idea you've ever had. Some might even call it a good idea. Albeit impractical, and would likely result in multiple howlers from frustrated parents who planned on one more night of freedom which is precisely why it is only a not-bad idea instead of a good one, Granger said. Although I wouldn't rule out apparition for some students, keep an eye on Liggins and Waterson for me. I already had to deduct 20 house points for their less-than-appropriate dancing, and if you want any hope of beating Gryffindor this year, your house needs every point it can get. Draco raised a brow, said the deputy headmistress, who prides herself on being unbiased towards any house. I am unbiased, Granger insisted, she waved a hand over the length of her robes. See, I'm wearing lilac, a colour that is representative of neither Gryffindor nor any other house. But Draco couldn't care two nuts about house points. Drain the entire Slytherin vessel of its emeralds for all he cared. One reference to her robe sent Draco plummeting like a broomstick nosediving to earth. Did you really have to remind him how breathtaking she looked? You are lucky she considers you a friend, he reminded himself for at least the hundredth time. You'd be a fool to hope for anything more. Yet the words Draco tried to swallow lingered on his tongue. He hadn't said anything at their first Yule Ball as children, and he hadn't said anything the past two years either. Granger was gorgeous, not just tonight but every damn day, even if Draco didn't reveal the underlying feelings that went along with the truth. She deserved to know that tonight's efforts hadn't gone unappreciated. The opportunity passed before Draco had a chance. Being a professor, Draco had come to learn, had many joys. One of those joys, however, did not include when a first-year named Nyla interrupted their conversation with a tear-stained face. Professor Granger, Katerina told me that she's happy it's almost the winter holidays because it means she won't have to listen to my snoring for the next two weeks. What Nyla really needed to learn was a good silencing charm to put around her bedpost, but Draco decided that wasn't the best thing to tell the upset Ravenclaw. Granger, to her credit, had a more appropriate response. Show me where she is. I'd like to have a word with her. Nyla wiped away her tears before turning towards where the entire Hogwarts student population danced to the latest Bent Wing Snitches song. With Nyla's back to the professors, Granger released another sigh. Some of these students could learn from their fellow Slytherins when it's best not to admit something, she said to Draco with a slight snicker. Stay here, I might have another student to add to your potential side-along apparition list. Draco watched the lilac robes disappear into the crowd as a knot of dissatisfaction formed inside of his gut. Yes, some thoughts were better left unsaid, but other thoughts could fester if continually locked inside. Maybe Draco would finally tell her how beautiful she was at next year's Yule Ball. Fifth time was a charm, right? The thought jostled from his mind when a hand clasped his shoulder. Someone is clearly in need of another drink, Theo said before handing Draco a fresh glass of mulled cider. Now, stop gawking at Granger and come be social with the rest of us. I was not. You were, just like last weekend when she got up to grab another round of butterbeers. That was the problem with being friends with Theodore Not The damn wizard noticed everything. That and he almost always had an ulterior motive. What do you want? Draco asked with a narrowed gaze. Theo clasped his hand over his chest in mock offence. Can I not do something nice for my best mate? the only person you willingly do something unprompted for is Potter. And who do I have to blame for that? As if Draco needed reminding. Nearly two years had passed since Draco made the mistake of reintroducing Theo to Potter during a Hogsmeade visit. It was bad enough that Draco and Potter had become friends through the unique bonding experience that was surviving one's first year of teaching. Now, Draco feared he was stuck with Potter for good, ever since Potter and Theo had passed the one-year anniversary mark. Deviating from Granger's directive, Draco followed Theo to where the rest of their friends were gathered near the refreshments. Theo cosied next to his boyfriend while Longbottom chatted merrily with Hannah, whose new diamond ring glittered among the enchanted snow. Two happy, committed couples, who Draco would soon be sharing the totally not-romantic Winter Wonderland cabin with. Plus Granger. At least the cabin had four bedrooms. Draco had made sure to confirm that aspect of the trip at least half a dozen times with Theo, who organised the whole thing. Being friends with Granger, he could live with. Remaining friends with Granger while simultaneously having to share a bed with her would have been torturous. Draco took a giant gulp of mulled cider, thanked the founders that the professors could keep the alcohol pouring freely once their holiday began. Hannah, always the inclusive Hufflepuff, was the first to address Draco. All ready for tomorrow? Almost, he answered. I have some essays on shrinking solutions to finish grading, but those should be done well before our porky leaves. Or you could have been like me and made your first exam a practical application so you don't have to read 300 scrolls of parchment, Potter so proudly piped in. It took everything Kendrako not to blatantly roll his eyes. Ah, yes, I forgot that students don't need to be tested on their ability to critically analyse elements of magic. How wonderful it is for the great Harry Potter to bless us all with his grand knowledge of defending the dark arts, with no need for traditional exams. What was it this year? Another round of students trying to disarm you? First one to successfully use Expelliarmus gets an O? That wasn't the only part, Potter managed while Longbottom chimed in. I didn't give an exam to students below fifth year. I see enough based on what they demonstrate in the greenhouses. But before more could be said on the subject, Draco felt a desperate clench around the sleeve of his dress robes. I need him! Draco barely had enough time to register Granger's matter of fact tone before she dragged him away from their friends and into the fray of dancing students. He knew that tone. It was a tone he heard often from McGonagall as a child, and now Granger had adopted under the same position. Draco quickly scanned the great hall, realizing he had neglected the one job Granger had assigned him. What did Liggins and Waterson do now? Are you actually taking me up on that sidelong offer? Worse, Granger frowned. Whoever is responsible for this will be getting a detention for the rest of their school year. That almost made Draco pause his steps. Granger was threatening a rest of the year detention. Sure, Snape and Umbridge had doled out some pretty severe detentions back in the day. Even McGonagall had partaken in her share of harsh consequences. Draco would never forget the nightmare that was entering the Forbidden Forest post midnight as a first year but Granger? She had always been against students doing manual labour as a form of punishment, on top of her added grievance that it took away from student study time. If she was proposing so much detention, then something had truly gone wrong. Draco expected to find out that someone had snuck a bottle of Ogden's Finest, or learn that all the food had been imbued with you-know-poo. About last on his list of expectations was for Granger to bring him back in front of Nyla, who was standing with a shaking Katerina, a first-year Hufflepuff named Geoffrey, and to Draco's greatest surprise, Teddy Lupin. His young cousin's hair flared emerald green as he ran up to Draco. You have to help us, Cousin Draco. Professor, Draco corrected. The last of the Black Sisters may have resolved their differences, but within these walls, Teddy was just another student to both Draco and his godfather. Draco looked to Granger for further explanation, but a nervous-looking Geoffrey spoke up first. I swear I didn't mean to tell Teddy that I think his dress robes make him look like a Victorian pirate, Geoffrey said. Please don't owl my parents. They were already hesitant about sending me to Hogwarts because you're a professor, but decided to let me attend anyway because they really wanted me to learn from Harry Potter. Geoffrey clamped his hands over his mouth as his eyes grew the size of snitches. I didn't mean to say that either. I think he's a brilliant professor, Nyla blurted out. I'm kind of scared of him, from Katerina. Only because you're terrible at potions, said Teddy. He's my favourite cousin for a reason. Also your only cousin. "I'm Geoffrey. A very cute cousin," Nyla squeaked. Her cheeks turned bright red as Teddy grew equally flushed. "Am I cute? I, I can be cute, see?" Teddy's green hair shifted into white blonde as Draco shouted, "Stop!" Nyla, Katerina and Geoffrey all covered their mouths while Teddy morphed his into an elephant trunk. "So," Granger plainly stated, as if the first years hadn't just word vomited at Draco's expense. "As you can see, we have a problem." Draco glared at the students. Would someone care to explain what is going on here? It's like we can't help but say the truth, Katerina spouted. Or oh, whatever comes into our brain? Draco exchanged a look with Granger and he immediately understood. Whatever was causing this uncontrolled babbling, Granger suspected a potion was involved. And if Draco's suspicions were correct, this was more than ordinary Veritaserum. He seized the mould cider from Teddy's hand. Granger, vanish all the student's drinks, then meet me in the potion storeroom. Whoever did this was going to get worse than a year's detention. Draco scoured the storeroom, cross-referencing everything with his inventory list. Job and all feathers, cowbane, salpeter, dragon livers. Every known ingredient for truth serums appeared untouched, meaning the guilty student must have used their own ingredients. Mail order from Diagon? Purchases from last weekend's Hogsmeade trip? Draco thought back to anything suspicious he may have noticed last weekend. In usual fashion, Draco had spent the afternoon at the Three Broomsticks with Theo, Potter and Granger, before Theo and Potter went to meet Teddy, while Granger accompanied Draco to the apothecary. It had been nearing dark by the time they entered the store, and with Hogwarts students expected back at the castle by sundown, most of the purchasing for the day was complete. Surely the store owner would have told the deputy headmistress if a student had bought anything alarming, not to mention that truth serums were notoriously difficult to brew. In which case, Draco wasn't sure if he should be more upset with the guilty student, or impressed. Upset. He was definitely upset. The storeroom door slid open, and Draco hopped off the ladder to meet Granger. In her hands, she held two mugs. Success? Draco asked. All the cider has been vanished from the Great Hall, if that's what you're asking. I also alerted McGonagall in case more students are impacted, Granger said. As for who did this, I still have no answer. She followed Draco into his office, where she set two mugs onto his desk. But watch this. Specialis Revelio. The drink that had been Teddy's fizzled while the second drink remained stagnant. Draco furrowed his brow. Where is the second cider from? Directly from the cider barrel, Granger said. Which means the cider itself wasn't tampered, but rather these specific drinks. So why would a student old enough to brew what is clearly an N.E.W.T. level potion Target a group of first years. Could just be to have a laugh, Draco answered plainly. Though I must say I'm disappointed, Granger. How so? You're assuming that the student who did this is NEWT level, when you yourself successfully brewed Polyjuice, another NEWT level potion, as a second year. A faint red tinged her cheeks. I forgot I told you that. Yes, well, I haven't forgotten when you rather pointedly told me the first day I was hired. Draco said with a short laugh. Only because the pained thirteen-year-old inside of me still felt the need to prove myself to you. Her unexpected admission struck Draco like a bludger. You what? Granger's blush spread from her ear tips. Never mind, she quickly dismissed. That's not the point. Is there a way to separate the potion from the cider? She looked away from Draco, seemingly focused on examining the different mould ciders, but that couldn't hide the lingering pink tint of her skin. Remorse boiled inside Draco. Relations between him and Granger had obviously been strained at the beginning of his professorship. They had hardly seen each other in almost a decade, but Draco had never known how much his childhood jeers had truly impacted her, even years later. Add it to the list of reasons why he should be grateful that he somehow managed to form a friendship with her. But he couldn't linger on that now, not when Draco had already spent his entire first year of teaching trying to prove just how much he had changed and Granger was currently waiting for him to answer her question. He picked up Teddy's mug and examined its contents. Separation would require hours of careful distilling, but there are quicker methods to test a drink's contents via alchemical isolation. With a smooth wave of his wand, Draco summoned a cauldron and the necessary ingredients. Seconds later, he set to work. Let's see what we have here. Apple cider, that much was obvious. Notes of clover, some cinnamon. Cinnamon is my favourite part of mull drinks, Granger interrupted. Noted, Draco inwardly drawled, though he stored the information on the off chance he ever needed it. All right, here we go. Valerian sprigs. Found in the draft of living death. I'm aware, Draco stated. I also detect acnite. An obvious ingredient of Wolfsbane. Dittany which when combined with valerian sprigs and aconite makes babbling beverage. Javanagh feathers, found in all truth serums, silverweed, and often responsible for Merlin, Granger. Draco set down his wand, unable to concentrate while Granger freely prattled. I know you have a history of flaunting your knowledge, and I deeply regret that in the past I've made you feel like you have to prove your worth, when you're obviously the most brilliant person in any room you walk into. But you are aware that I'm the potions, Professor, right? Draco stepped back, just as shocked by his remark as Granger. He hadn't meant to say all that. It just sort of... spilled out of him. Similar to how Granger seemed unable to withhold her commentary on every potion ingredient. Almost as if they couldn't... The realisation struck them at the same time. You've You've been been impacted impacted by 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 the the potion potion too. too, they said in unison. The liable potion lace cider sat between them as he and Granger tried to make sense of it. The silverweed, she said. Often responsible for delayed release potions, as I was going to say, if someone hadn't interrupted me. You were interrupting me. Let's just say our interruptions cancel each other out, Granger swiftly dismissed. But I don't understand how. I only had one cider right before the students arrived. And I didn't have mine until. Jacob looked at the clock. 9.10pm, just barely an hour after the Yule Ball had started, and around an hour after Theo had handed him his cider. The conniving prat! I knew he never did anything just because. He thought through the possibilities and didn't like where his brain led him. Tell me, Granger, did you get the cider yourself? Granger furrowed her brow. I was shuffling around the great hall quite frantically, trying to make sure everything was in place before the students entered, "'I might have grabbed a glass in between setting up the music and checking that the refreshments—' "'A gasp cut off her thoughts, and Draco knew immediately. "'Let me guess. Theo.' "'Granger's face turned murderous. "'That cunning little—' "'Better not call him a cockroach. That pet name is reserved for me.' "'Draco winced. Pet name? Merlin's beard. Where had that come from?' "'Granger, in her rage, thankfully, hadn't seemed to notice.' Wait until I see him next. If Theo thought the Cairngorns were going to be relaxing, then he has another thing coming entirely. Shall we feed him to a yeti? He relished her appreciative snort. Is that an offer to help? I would think so. Haven't I proven that I'm willing to do whatever you ask of me? Damn it, there it was again. Something Draco hadn't fully intended to say. Granger gaped at him, but he pushed past it before she could comment. So this truth serum... Draco needlessly swirled the tainted cider within the cauldron, fearful of what might come out of his mouth next if he so much as glanced at her. If it's only now affecting us, that means the potion doesn't take effect for an hour, give or take a few minutes, depending on body size. But even taking that into consideration, it shouldn't have affected the student so quickly. The dance had barely begun when Nyla first approached us. But that would mean... You don't think that the students were somehow in on it? Draco groaned. Fifty gallons, says Theo, handed Teddy a vial of the potion last weekend, and he and his little first-year friends willingly took some before the dance with the intention of goading us. I guess I really shouldn't be surprised, Granger said. Teddy is, after all, the son of a marauder. Which means? A story for another time, she said with an almost amused expression but what I really don't understand is why Theo would go through all this just to put truth serum in our drinks. Unless there's something he thinks we're not... Something that... You and I aren't... Oh, no, 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 no! Granger seized the non-contaminated cider and began chugging it before whatever she clearly didn't want to admit tumbled past her lips. Draco stared at her, dumbfounded. What in Merlin's name could Granger be so nervous to say? Anxiety buzzed inside him like a swarm of venomous doxies. Was there more about their past that she'd never told him? Things that he'd done that she still hadn't forgiven him for? The second the mug hit his desk, her words proved unstoppable. You're an incredibly talented professor, and anyone who says otherwise is too blinded by the past to see how hard you've worked to change, Granger blurted. You're a phenomenal potioner, and I really admire how engaging your lessons are, I love Harry, and so do the students, but would it kill him not to improvise every lesson? Your lessons are just as interactive and meticulously thought out, and oh, stop smirking! If you tell Harry any of this, I'll feed you to the Yeti right after it's done with Theo. But Draco couldn't help grinning. He expected the worst out of Granger. Honestly, he would have deserved it, and instead she had just babbled on complimenting him? On second thought, I revoke my offer to help feed Theo to the Yeti, he said with a continued grin. Hearing you say that might be the greatest Christmas present anyone has ever given me. It came off as snarky, but Draco genuinely meant it. Maybe the truth serum wasn't all bad. Fine, Granger huffed. Then you say something nice you've been withholding from me. Easy. Every Yule Bull, one look at you, makes me forget my name and everything else around me. Draco took it back. This truth serum was terrible. Worse yet was the way Granger didn't seem to believe him. You're only saying that because of all the sleek-easy I use for events like these. Bounders, no. Draco immediately protested. Yes, your curls look nice, and I want nothing more than to run my fingers through them, but I bet you'll look equally gorgeous tomorrow morning, waking up with untamed hair. Hell, forget the hair. And forget those damn lilac robes. You could have walked in wearing a pillowcase, and I would have thought you were the most beautiful witch in all of Britain. Buck, buck, buck! Never mind. Never mind apparating students, Draco was going to trudge through the snow and apparate from Hogsmeade all the way to the Sahara Desert. Fuck his brain for thinking all of that, fuck his mouth for saying it, and fuck Theo not for his role in all of this. You... You think I'm beautiful? Came Granger's incredulous voice. If this situation wasn't already so absurd, Draco would laugh. Obviously, Granger, I'm doused with fucking truth serum, he shouted, unable to hold back any longer. The words broke through their dam and poured out of him like a flood. And you know what? Not only do I think you're beautiful, I could also write a whole dissertation about how damn impressive you are, perpetually challenging me to be better, even when I didn't realise it. A better student, a better professor, a better human being. And damn it, I wish I had something to offer you in return. But you deserve so much more than the affections of someone who used to foolishly treat you like his inferior. So if friendship's all I can get, I'll sodding take it, because something with you is better than nothing. As the final words came out, a tingling Draco hadn't noticed previously dissipated from his brain, like an itch that had finally been scratched. Draco knew that the effects of the truth serum had fully passed, but at this point he couldn't bring himself to care. The truth serum had performed its grand finale, and now Draco had to live with the consequences. Buck this, he said, unable to face her unblinking stare. I'm going to bed. Give Theo a hearty fuck you from me, and tell him I'm not going on the trip anymore. Enjoy the kangons. He pushed past Granger, ignoring her protest of his name, and flung open the door to his attached private quarters. He was truly fucked now. Granger knew how he felt, but there was no use crying over a snapped wand. Bangs against the door, shouts for Draco to open up. He ignored them both. Draco would face her again once the winter holiday was over and he had enough time to figure out how to salvage any morsel of his remaining pride. Another bang pounded the door. Please, Draco. His heart stalled. Surely he had only imagined her using his first name. Did the truth serum have hallucinatory side effects? I... I thought McGonagall had gone balmy when she announced that you were joining the staff. Her shaky voice resonated from the opposite side of the door. But once the school year began, I realised I hadn't opened myself up to the idea that you could have changed. And then you showed me, each and every day, not just through your interactions with me, but with the way that you treated your students, all of them. Not hallucinatory. Granger was really saying this. And with the truth serum having worn off, she was saying this willingly. Draco stared at the door's wood grains, transfixed by whatever she had to say next. You say you have nothing to offer me, but you've challenged me too made me reflect on my own stubbornness to accept when I'm wrong and learn what it means to truly forgive someone. But mostly, I just like being around you, when you make me laugh at the end of each long teaching day, or even just when we sit next to each other during dinner. Sometimes it makes me wonder, makes me wish. At the hitch of her words, Draco cancelled his Coloportus and swung the door open to face Granger on the other side. Elegant lilac robes, soft chestnut curls. Yet the thing that mattered most was her wide-eyed sincerity. Hope spalled inside of him, a dangerous feeling, more potent than some potions. But he had to know, one way or another. Just tell me one thing. Draco's heart beat wildly as he cupped her face. Could I ever have a chance with you? Draco, her soft hand settled on top of his. You have so much more than just a chance. You just have to say the word. But Draco was tired of words. After all this, he was done talking. He much preferred to use his mouth for something else. Their lips met as one and Draco's whole world imploded. He kissed her once, twice, more times than he could count, as the pent-up yearning took hold of them both. Fingers in hair, hands around her waist. Nothing was enough. Now that he had her, he couldn't imagine ever letting go. They stumbled into his private chambers, where, piece by piece, they shared layers, until Granger's lilac robes became nothing more than forgotten cloth alongside discarded knickers. Kissing her was bliss, but sinking into her was a heaven Draco never thought he'd experience. The feel of her was intoxicating, her sounds addictive, yet the greatest pleasure came afterwards, when Draco could wrap his body flush with hers and drift off into a serene sleep. It had to be a dream, Draco was sure of it, but when he awoke in the morning, she was still there. I was right. Draco said, vocal cords husky in the daybreak hour. You're just as gorgeous in the morning, even without the sleek-easy curls. Granger bit the inside of her lip, and Draco wanted nothing more than to spend the whole day kissing her. Someone, however, had different plans. Rise and shine, lovebirds! Three knocks pounded against the door, and Draco had never wanted to hear that voice less. Fuck off, Theo! He easily imagined Theo's smug expression. If that's your way of saying thank you, then we need to work on your people skills. No, you arse, Draco shouted to the other side of the door. You put truth serums in our drinks. And look where it got you. You two clearly finally admitted what was painfully obvious to the rest of us. Theo cheerily remarked. Oh, and I take it this means you two will only require one room now, because it's always been a three-bedroom cabin. Get out! Draco would have to deal with Theo eventually, but that was a later problem. For now, all he wanted was to relish the morning with his witch nuzzled beside him. This was shaping up to be Draco's favourite winter holiday yet. Thank you for listening to Winter Wonderfix. If you'd like to stay up to date for the chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo. Echoing tales of enemies to lovers.